is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There's a lot to cover here, ladies and gentlemen. The National School Boards Association did coordinate with the White House and the Department of Justice before sending its memo, and I knew it did, which is why on this program, why, on Hannity, I said the circumstance of that memo coming out five days after the letter was sent to the President of the United States told me that there was coordination. How we sounded, Mr. Producer, okay? All right, just want to make sure. October 5, 2021, cut three, go. Local police officers and school board security officers are in charge of keeping the peace in township and community school board meetings. Not the Federal Bureau of Investigation, not the Criminal Division of the Justice Department, not the Civil Rights Division, not the U.S. Attorney's Office, and on and on and on. Let alone the National Security Division. They have decided, ladies and gentlemen, that those of you who protest are domestic terrorists. The letter from the National School Board Association, in my view, was an inside job. They wrote this letter to the President of the United States, Joe Biden, on September 29, and five days later, including the weekend, we get a memo from the Attorney General of the United States, dated yesterday, to the director of the FBI, the director of the executive office of U.S. attorneys, the assistant attorney general criminal division. You know, I would encourage, and I mean this in all sincerity, the news divisions at Fox and the news divisions at all other so-called conservative media, or at least not kook media, to pay attention to this radio show. Whether it was March 2nd, 2017, 
where I went through the news articles and it was obvious to me FISA had been filed and there were leaks taking place. Whether it was the Wuhan lab uh, and my Fox show where we had the former editor of the science page of the New York Times who was the first to really draw the lines, not make allegations, but draw the lines to the lab. Whether it's the National School Board Association, I've been around a little bit. I served for eight years in the Reagan administration. I served at the Justice Department at the highest levels. I have an instinct for this. Not because I'm a genius, but because I've lived it. And I knew that it was not possible for a letter to be written to the White House and go through the red tape that is the White House and five days later to have a response from the Department of Justice without coordination. And I knew from the substance of the National School Board Association's letter that they were being told the key words and phrases and departments to put in the letter because they wouldn't know on their own. And now here it is, November 12th, and the evidence is obvious. Fox News, NSBA, National School Board Association, coordinated with White House, Department of Justice, before sending notorious domestic terrorist letters, emails. Now, keep in mind that Garland, the Attorney General, denied there was coordination. Said he'd be surprised if he heard there was. Keep that in mind. Keep in mind he said he never called anybody domestic terrorist, but there's two facts that demonstrate otherwise. The phone number that they were giving for people to use if they felt threatened was basically the terrorist hotline to the National Security Unit at the Department of Justice. Secondly, that unit was set up as a result of the, of the legislation that was passed under the Patriot Act. Newly released internal emails revealed that the National School Boards Association coordinated with the White House and the Department of Justice, writes Tyler O'Neill, before sending President Biden the notorious letter that compared concerned parents to domestic terrorists. Emails provided to the Fox News show that the NSBA had coordinated with the White House for weeks beforehand, as I said they would have had to have done. Viola Garcia, the NSBA president, whom the Department of Education later named to the federal board, sent a memo to NSBA members on October 11, dated October 12, providing a timeline of the National School Board Association's interaction with the White House ahead of the letter to Biden, which the NSBA sent on September 29. Five days later, as you know, on October 4, the DOJ issued a memo directing law enforcement to investigate threats to school boards. On October 22, the NSBA issued an apology for the letter. Quote, concern over the current climate for school board members is also a top priority. As disruptions at school board meetings grow and members face growing threats, Garcia wrote at the time. That's according to the memo obtained by the Parents Defending Education through a Freedom of Information Act request. Now, the reason why... Freedom of Information Act requests are now ubiquitous is because in Chapter 7 of American Marxism, I link to the, to the various state and federal sites that show you how to do this. And as I said, all through the summer, as we were talking about the book, American Marxism, 
that this would be a very potent weapon, a very potent tool for the public. Which is exactly what it is. Concern over the current climate. Right. National School Board Association has been actively engaged with the White House, Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Education, Surgeon General, and other federal agencies on pandemic-related issues. In the September 14, 2021 meeting, now remember, their memo went out on the 29th, 15 days later. The National School Board Organization of State Association Executive Directors Liaison Group They were informed that they had a meeting with the White House staff that morning. One moment. And that the National School Board Association was preparing to send a letter to the president. Subsequently, on September 17, 2001, excuse me, 2021, the interim executive director emailed notice to the state association executive directors that indicated a letter requesting federal assistance would be sent. In response to the letter sent by the National School Board Association on October 4, the Attorney General announced in a memorandum widely shared throughout the Department of Justice he was ordering all U.S. attorneys and so forth to coordinate efforts on this so-called problem within 30 days of the memorandum. The statement appears to contradict Attorney General Merrick Garland's testimony to Congress on October 27. When little Dick Durbin asked Garland if he had second thoughts following the National, Secu- uh, National School Board Association apology for the letter, he said the DOG memorandum did not rely upon the letter, but certainly relied upon the letter. In fact, they helped write it. In fact, they helped write it. So there was coordination with the National School Board Association, among others, the White House, the Department of Justice. And I would argue the teachers, unions, and others, as was quite obvious to us, to me at the time, having served in both the Reagan White House and the Reagan Department of Justice as chief of staff, I knew this couldn't happen this quickly. And so it would really be sensible if these various news departments that believe in news, you know, we're not talking about media matters and media, we're not talking about... CNN and MSNBC and all the other reprobates, malcontents, and miscreants. Real news departments, real news people, they ought to start paying attention. Because it was quite obvious at that point, quite obvious, that this was coordinated. It just happened too damn fast. Too damn fast. Now, we're going to get into a lot this evening. Uh, I want to start with the indictment of Steve Bannon, and also the former chief of staff to President Trump, Mark Meadows, who today refused to comply with this outrageous, overarching, overly broad subpoena by this this obsessed Nancy Pelosi political Politburo committee, this so-called select committee in the House. And how just like, just like with the Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse, just like with the January 6th people who did not go into the Capitol building but were on the lawns of the Capitol. The disparate treatment of people, BLM. You have a head of BLM in New York City that just threatened to kill people. He just threatened to kill people. And he brazenly said that if the new mayor, Democrat, former cop dares to 
reinstitute this unit of 600 detectives to proactively seek out criminals before they commit heinous crimes, there'll be blood in the streets. Nothing happens to him. Nothing. No subpoenas. Nothing. No. What about the Black Lives Matter organization? No, they get funding. They get funding from from basketball stars and others in the country. Oprah Winfrey. It's unbelievable what's going on in this country. You had Donald Trump, the target of a vicious, vicious political attack, one of which we've never seen before, with the FBI and the CIA, with uh, members of Congress and others involved in this. Obama knew about it and so forth. It's just unbelievable. And who's, got, who's indicted? A couple of people are indicted. A couple of people. But nobody political. No big figures yet. Hillary Clinton's still in the clear. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Presidents have had their taxes rifled through by Democrats, whether they're a district attorney in Manhattan, an attorney general in Albany, or one or more committees of Congress controlled by the Democrats. I can think of none. How many presidents have been accused of violating the Emoluments Clause because they happen to own some buildings that were built before they became president? And people from other countries, including public officials from other countries, have stayed in these hotels and resorts and so forth. That was bogus too. How many presidents have been impeached twice? On absolutely baseless claims one how many presidents had multiple coup efforts intended to remove him from office whether it's Russia collusion or the Mueller investigation built on the Hillary Clinton fraud against the Trump campaign none how many presidents had the 
top level of the FBI conspire to try and remove him from office under the 25th Amendment. Well, it's a more recent amendment, but since the amendment, none. None. How many presidents have been so universally lied about by the media? Two. Two, Reagan and Trump. But Trump like nobody else. Like nobody, nobody else. How many presidents have been called anti-Semitic when they've done more for the state of Israel and for Jewish people in this country than ever before? One, Trump. How many presidents have been called racist because they want to secure the border, because they call MS-13 what it is, and have done more for the African-American communities than the first African-American president in American history. One. Donald Trump is a victim. He's a victim of the growing tyranny in this country and the growing totalitarianism in this country that is exercised by a political entity called the Democratic Party that has never accepted Americanism. The same political party that represented the Confederacy and wanted to destroy the Union. The same political party that fought for and stood for slavery. The same political party that fought for and stood for segregation and lynchings and poll taxes and literacy tests. Jim Crow. That party has done more damage to this nation than any foreign enemy. And they're a grave threat to this nation today. A grave threat to this nation. The Republicans call it socialism. That's because they're cowards. The war is on the American system. The war is on the American culture. The war is on the American society. Socialism is an economic ideology. It's bad enough. It's called Marxism. That's what we're facing. What does this have to do with Bannon and Meadows? I'll get to it. I'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. When it was learned that Eric Holder as Attorney General of the United States under Barack Melhouse Benito Obama was involved, in fact led, the effort to arm drug cartels from Mexico with the Department of Justice ordered gun stores in America to sell those guns so they said they could track the serial numbers on the guns and catch the killers or the people who use them illegally Operation Fast and Furious when it was learned that Eric Holder was behind this the Republicans in Congress wanted to get to the bottom of it because a brave American on the border was murdered a border patrol agent by one of those weapons 
Eric Holder refused to comply with any of the subpoena information. And he refused to answer significant questions about the events. He was held in contempt. And what happened under the Obama administration? And Eric Holder being the Attorney General, what happened with the Acting Attorney General, that is the Deputy Attorney General? What happened with the United States Attorney in Washington, D.C., who had first decision to make about whether or not to charge Holder, convene a grand jury? They chose not to. You see, Holder was protected by Obama, who who asserted executive privilege. Because this is what the Democrats do. They cover for one another. They conspire with one another. They stick with one another, despite all the yammering about how they're divided. In the end, they're not divided. They have the same goal, to turn this nation inside out. And to destroy their enemies, to crush them. Not to compete with them, crush them. So Eric Holder was never held to account, not for the death of a brave American hero, or for arming the enemy, drug cartels in Mexico. Now we have Steve Bannon. There is no evidence that Steve Bannon was leading an insurrection on January 6th. And yet, this committee put together by Nancy Pelosi, in which she rejected the members that the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, had proposed, literally rejected them. Instead, took Kingsinger and Cheney, two never-Trumpers. This committee has issued hundreds of subpoenas, hundreds, for text messages and emails and documents and depositions including secretaries and other people who work for Donald Trump who wouldn't know anything and it doesn't matter. Nancy Pelosi once again using the resources of the American taxpayer and the, D- and the House of Representatives for brazen political purposes in what would uh, make... Joseph Stalin, a happy man if he watched this. And so Merrick Garland, who lied to Congress under oath about the coordination of the memo that his department had, among others, with the National School Board Association, who won't be charged with anything since the Democrats control all the federal prosecutors in the Department of Justice and the FBI... A liar who perjured himself, in my view. A liar whose son-in-law has made millions off of pushing critical race theory. When, of course, he should have recused himself. Stands up today or issues a statement saying that the indictment of Steve Bannon is a demonstration that they support the rule of law. No, they support the rule of the Democrats. And they will use the Department of Justice. They will use the FBI. They will use U.S. attorneys. They will use intelligence agencies. They will use whatever they can, 
with the blessing and indeed the support of the corrupt propaganda media to damage Republicans, to damage the ex-president. And this is why people like Chris Christie and the Bushes and others are so loathsome. Because they give aid and comfort to this kind of tyranny and totalitarianism. There are criminal investigations that have taken place, led by the Department of Justice, which says this is the biggest investigation they have ever had with more resources than they've ever used. January 6th. Pretty shocking when our cities were burning. Law enforcement was under attack, including federal law enforcement. People were being killed. People were walking down the streets brazenly with weapons. That didn't seem to get the attention of Christopher Wray and the and the FBI. They were too busy playing a major role in the quote-unquote kidnap of the governor of Michigan, Whitmer. And apparently were very busy with agents that had secreted themselves among the crowd on January 6th. And in fact, you look at this guy, Ray Epps, if in fact he was working for the FBI, nobody can seem to find him. He hasn't been charged with anything. His face is notorious. Out there caught on video after video, pushing people to attack the Capitol building, telling them where to go in the Capitol building and so forth. As much as the media, the never-Trumpers, and the Democrats want to say it, this was not an insurrection. Let alone an insurrection led by President Trump. How could it be an insurrection led by President Trump when he's the one that offered ten to 20,000 National Guardsmen to protect the Capitol building? And Nancy Pelosi said no. And how can this be anything close to a committee trying to get the facts when time and time and time again, Broomhilda, a.k.a. Liz Cheney, is giving speeches and interviews already convicting the former president and the people around him. Why have an investigation then? Why subpoena? Why depose people? This is a rogue, a rump committee. That's what it is. And so now Bannon is indicted and perhaps a very, very honorable man, a man of deep faith who has served his country so well, Mark Meadows, former congressman, former chief of staff to Trump. The chairman of this committee has announced that he intends to move to have him held in criminal contempt as well. When you look at the lawlessness in this country, whether it's Black Lives Matter, Antifa, whether you look at Biden with the open border, it's shocking. Who gets punished and who doesn't? Who gets punished and who doesn't? You have this piece of crap, the head of Black Lives Matter in New York, threatening to kill people. Congress doesn't even blink. There's no commission, no select committee, no regular committee. They don't even blink. Wasn't the Proud Boys or whatever they call themselves or the other group or 
this group or that. It was the head of Black Lives Matter in New York City. Barely gets attention. Newsbusters did a big review of the media coverage of this. Most media outlets didn't even cover it. Most media outlets didn't even cover it. Then you read the the whole newspaper. And Andy McCarthy, who I knew well over the years, who I don't talk to anymore, and I haven't for several years. Andy, a long time never Trumper. Writes this long piece, rambling, in my view, almost incoherent. Yes, 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 the next president probably has executive privilege authority. Yes, 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 the Supreme Court in 1977, Brennan wrote the opinion, but of course they were very activists back then, almost anything went, and yes, 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 but you can still go after the Bannons and the Meadows and the Staffers, they're not protected. And he strongly urged... Strongly urge that the select committee, the Nancy Pelosi committee, do exactly that. Because after all, you can't defy Congress. They want to find out what took place. They want to find out what took place? Really? They want to find out what took place? Don't they want to know what Nancy Pelosi did in the run-up to January 6th? Don't they want to know what the FBI did in Norfolk, Virginia, the NYPD? They all gave information to Christopher Wray's office about information they were receiving? Don't they want to know why Christopher Wray let that information sit on his desk for three, four, five days in a row and didn't act on it? No, they don't want to know any of that. Don't they want to know why some of the video that we've been allowed to see is the American people, much of it not, show Capitol Police waving people into the Capitol building? Don't they want to know why people who are basically wandering around on the grassy areas, the lawn outside the Capitol building, are threatened with felony prosecution? Don't they want to know why a federal judge of long-standing ordered the U.S. Marshals to a surprise review of that jail, the D.C. Corrections Facility, and found it to be disgusting, inhumane, violating the civil rights of the detainees there? No, they don't want to know any of that. And neither does McCarthy. This wasn't an insurrection. The people who broke into that building must be punished. The people who attacked cops, physically assaulted them, must be punished. But that's not the 700 people who have been charged. And they continue to go after Trump, and they continue to go after his people. This is what totalitarian regimes do. This is what they do. Go after the taxes, subpoena, looking for anything they can find, depositions, make preposterous, preposterous legal claims. They're very lucky. They have a Democrat Attorney General, Democrat U.S. Attorney, Democrat President of the United States. So they think they can do whatever they want to do. They have an Obama-appointed judge in Washington, D.C., a radical leftist. I've looked at her background. 
And so the Trump legal team filed an emergency appeal to the D.C. Circuit. Now, the D.C. Circuit... The D.C. Circuit added a couple more judges because Harry Reid and Barack Obama wanted to control the D.C. Circuit. It's considered the second most powerful court. Now you know why. These cases wind up in federal district court in Washington, then they go to the D.C. Circuit, then maybe to the Supreme Court. So they packed the D.C. Court with a couple more radical leftists. But the Federal Court of Appeals, according to Axios, yesterday agreed to temporarily bar the National Archives from releasing some of former President Trump's records to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. This is how they all talk now. The House Select Committee, the Pelosi hand-picked committee, the January 6th insurrection. Nobody's been charged with insurrection, treason, sabotage, nothing. The National Archives was expected to turn over the logs, draft speeches, other related documents on Friday. Trump has repeatedly tried to block the release by pursuing a legal challenge that invokes executive privilege. U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C. set oral arguments for November 30. For November 30. More when I return. Mark in. the next hour, I want to talk to you about what the FBI has been doing to Project Veritas and James O'Keefe to his cell phone and how they've been leaking to the New York Times. And you should be and are, because you listen to this program, deeply concerned about what's going on in this country. The breakdown of law and order, the breakdown of a real free press, and the breakdown of unalienable rights. I've been warning about this for years. I've been talking about it for years. And it is here. It is here right now. It is all around you. You can smell it. You can touch it. You can see it. It's not tomorrow. It's now. This is why they want to change our constitutional system. By destroying separation of powers. Separation of powers is the most important principle in our constitutional system. It's the most important. This is why they want to change citizenship with open borders. There's no other justification for it other than the Democrats believe they're letting Democrats into this country. We all know it, regardless of what their, their propaganda media say and their paid-for hacks that run websites and so-called media operations. But the the use now of the FBI and the Department of Justice and the application of political justice is now becoming routine. There's almost a pattern of it now. And the media are perfectly happy with it. Now this is why on my Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I take a whack at the New York Times and the media like nobody else has ever done. Nobody. 
So I hope you'll watch it. It's a very, very important program. My reruns of Life, Liberty, and Levin are no longer run on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, just so you know. Um, has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with ratings. Fox is just experimenting with different things. And that's fine by me for that time slot. But my live show, every Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR it. Stick with me more when I return. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. It's Friday, of course, but we keep our foot on the gas pedal. No letting up. No phony, ooh, look what, it's special Friday. Nope. Our, uh, our gloves are on and we're ready for battle. It's the way it goes. Red State does a very good job. Somebody uses the acronym Banshee of explaining what the FBI has done to Project Veritas and more specifically to James O'Keefe. And it is another disgrace. It's yet another example of what's happening to this country. The FBI raid of Project Veritas turns into a massive scandal, they write, after privileged communications are leaked. Project Veritas has found itself in the crosshairs of the FBI. That began with a raid on the homes of several of its journalists under the guise of looking for Ashley Biden's diary. Apparently a stolen diary is now in the purview of federal authorities. Will they be investigating the, the, uh, the, th- the, the stealing of bicycles next? But what was so disturbing, besides the raids happening, was how quickly the New York Times knew about them. While O'Keefe was asked by the FBI to keep quiet, the New York Times knew within hours, pointing to a leaker within the FBI. Quote, but while the Department of Justice requested us to not discuss the, extensive, the, the existence of the subpoena, something very unusual happened. Within an hour of one of our reporters' homes being secretly raided by the FBI, this is Project Veritas, the New York Times, who we are currently suing for defamation, contacted Project Veritas reporter for comment. We don't know how the New York Times was aware of the execution of a search warrant at a reporter's home, or the subject matter of the search warrant as the grand jury investigation is secret. What was leaked by the FBI? It was leaked by the FBI to the New York Times. To the New York Times. Days later, O'Keefe would have his home raided. And sure enough, the Times once again knew about it before anyone else. Are you noticing a pattern? Because it's about to become an obvious, as obvious as a neon sign. Two days ago, a court ordered the FBI to stop extracting data from James O'Keefe's phones, which have apparently been seized. Again, all of this is being done under the allegation that a diary was stolen. 
But then, but it wasn't stolen by James O'Keefe or his reporters or Project Veritas, if it was stolen at all, by the way. But then last night, things boiled over into outright scandal. The New York Times suddenly started publishing privileged communications, privileged communications between Project Veritas and its legal team. Those messages apparently came from one of O'Keefe's phones. From one of O'Keefe's phones. You read that right. Project Veritas has recently sued, by the way, the New York Times over an unrelated matter, and now the Times has Project Veritas's privileged communications that reveal their legal strategies. Given the circumstances, there could only be one logical source for that information, the FBI. Liz Wheeler, a very sharp lawyer, she tweeted out, Project Veritas sues the New York Times, the FBI raids O'Keefe's home. The New York Times knows about the raid immediately. The FBI steals O'Keefe's reporter's notes. The New York Times publishes what his notes were. She says this is nuts. The FBI is leaking O'Keefe's privileged information to the New York Times. It's scandalous, folks. Though nothing is really surprising anyone when dealing with the FBI these days. It appears that a major newspaper has colluded with the federal government to target an investigative reporting outlet. Of course, there's still more dots to connect, but it's there. And if it's there, some other explanation, I'm not seeing it, they write. The pretense of the original raid simply made no sense. Really, a diary? And the New York Times has been getting leaks from the Bureau every step of the way in order to target Project Veritas. You know... The New York Times would survive very, very well in a one-newspaper state that was a mouthpiece for a Marxist regime. If this isn't a coordinated political hit job on a journalistic organization, then what is it? So many lines have now been crossed that it's hard to keep up with them all. Worse, what can Project Veritas even do about it? The Biden-run Department of Justice is not going to investigate these leaks, and the damage has already been done. That's my point with respect to Bannon and Trump and Meadows and all. There's nowhere to go. The Times now has possession of these privileged communications, even as they're being sued by Project Veritas. Think about how absurd that is. Let this serve as another example of why the FBI doesn't need to just be reprimanded, but that it needs to be disbanded. And I've come to that conclusion, too. We need a a new organization built from the bottom up. The FBI needs to be eliminated. Because in too many ways, it's now become a domestic surveillance and uh, an and arm of the, uh, of the big government, central government. Only for the Democrats, by the way. Only for the Democrats, by the way. The Democrats, you notice, never talk about due process anymore or civil liberties anymore. Unless, of course, you're a terrorist or a mass murderer, or you're in BLM burning down buildings. The FBI simply cannot be trusted to uphold the rights of American citizens any longer. A reality that is borne out by its own politicized actions. And that is exactly true. And that is where we are today. And Liz Cheney is busy 
being the handmaiden, the handmaiden for these totalitarians. Liz, let me educate you if it's even possible these days. There's already been an insurrection. Look around you, Liz. It's happening every day. There's a lawless president with, who's insisted on open borders. We have a Department of Justice who uses its power to go after Republicans, go after parents. Go after parents. Go after Republican legislatures with whom they disagree on abortion or voting systems. We have Democrats who Liz is now working very, very closely with and I'm told is becoming friends with. Democrats who want to destroy the independence of the judiciary, who want to destroy federalism, who want to destroy capitalism. Liz is okay with that because she never talks about it anymore. I'm sure the Cheneys are very proud of her. These are people I used to respect. I have no stomach for any of them anymore. None. The nation is at its lowest point right now. And what do the Bushes and the Cheneys do? And what do many of their surrogates do? They pile on. You won't hear a single one of them come to the defense of Steve Bannon. Look, Steve Bannon and I aren't buddies. We've never been buddies. But that has nothing to do with it. Nothing. How about Mark Meadows? Will they come to the defense of Mark? Of course not. George W. is going to go to the congressional district which Liz Cheney was elected to fundraise for, campaign for. George Bush said nothing when Obama was destroying this country. George Bush has said almost nothing with Biden, except with respect to Afghanistan, but Biden and his party are destroying this country. And George Bush is painting in Waco, Texas. Like he's in some kind of mental institution. All this stuff's going on and he's painting. I'm not against painting. I like painting. I've got my father's paintings everywhere. But my father voiced his opinion very, very strongly about what was going on in this country. Does anybody hear from George W. Bush? No. Jeb? No. The rest of them? No. Anybody hear from Dick Cheney? Taking on this president? Taking on what they're doing to our national security and our... But not a word. Nothing. Nothing. And all those tough guys, all those tough guys at National Review and some of these other places, constantly splitting babies. Constantly splitting babies. Well, six of this, half a dozen of the other, it could be worse, you know, that sort of thing. Doing their own Jackie Mason, the great Jackie Mason. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The media in America, ladies and gentlemen, is both racist and anti-Semitic, hates the country, even though they luxuriate in the benefits of a Republican government and a capitalist system. They live in their own bubble. Washington, D.C., New York, Los Angeles. They say whatever they want to say because the corporatists that own these these media outlets, they're buying protection. And some of them actually agree with them. 
And they're having difficulty coming to grips with the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse should never have been charged with murder. That, in fact, the evidence, all the evidence, including testimony, including video, including his testimony, demonstrates that he was protecting himself with a weapon. Now, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter why he was there. It doesn't matter if he crossed state lines. It doesn't matter if he's familiar with, with the town, which, which is where his father lives, and he's been there many, many times. It doesn't matter if he had a gun. He was a year too young to purchase, so his friend purchased it. it doesn't matter what kind of shirt he was wearing. It doesn't matter what he said four months after or four hours before. The issue is when he pulled the trigger to his rifle... When he pulled the trigger to, to his rifle, was it reasonable under the law? Did he have a reasonable expectation that he could be fatally harmed? And the answer in all three instances is yes. What angers Joy Reid and Don Lemon, what angers them is here's a young guy who actually stood up for himself and defended himself. He didn't crawl around on the ground in a fetal position, and wait to get his face bashed in, or his ribs broken and kicked in, or a bullet to the back of his head. He defended himself. And he used the Second Amendment to defend himself. And he had an AR-15, which is a pretty much a a run-of-the-mill rifle as far as rifles go. And so, Kyle Rittenhouse, also being white, goes against the racist, anti-American narrative that the media put out, including Joy Reid and Don Lemon, every single day. And so the fact that one of the perpetrators who was shot was a child molester, was a bail jumper, and had multiple cases of domestic abuse, that they don't want to know. The fact that one of the others had multiple cases of domestic abuse, that they don't want to know. The fact that the last guy who had his right bicep shot the smithereens with one bullet, pointed a pistol at Kyle's head before he was shot, That they don't want to know. The fact that it was they who were hunting him down, that they don't want to know. Why was he there? Why was he helping people? Why was he trying to protect people? He should have known not to be there. There was a full-blown riot going on. You know, with Black Lives Matter and Antifa and other people. A kid like that, he shouldn't show up. No, that's not his street. That's not his neighborhood. While Antifa and Black Lives Matter drive into the place, fly into the place, certainly not their community necessarily either. But it doesn't matter. It's racist. The fact that Kyle Rittenhouse is white, that Jacob uh, Rosenbaum is white, that Huber is white, that Gross Krantz or whatever the hell his name is is white, no, no matter. It's racist. Don't you get it? It's racist. And if a jury finds that he's innocent, 
This system is systemically racist. It just shows that if you're white, you get away with it. There's a lot of people getting away with murder, ladies and gentlemen, of all colors, including in our inner cities, every damn night, and especially on the weekends, which Joy Reid and Don Lemon don't like to talk about. Why? Because it's a race thing with them, and with you and me, it's a humanity thing. It's a civil rights thing with you and me. With them, it's about Republicans and certain races. Here's Joy Reid on MSNBC yesterday, which is owned by Comcast. And ask yourselves after you listen to her yet again. Ask yourselves, because she's mentally unhinged in my personal opinion, how these major corporations could give her a platform. Cut four, go. Want to know why critical race theory exists? The actual law school theory that emphasizes that supposedly colorblind laws in America often still have racially discriminatory outcomes? Then look no further. Okay, stop. You really don't understand critical race theory. That was critical theory in law schools. Critical race theory talks about the white dominant society. All whites are white supremacists. All people of color who agree with whites not from a racial point of view, but who love this country, they're really white supremacists too. So it's not just about the law, it's about policies, it's about Martin Luther King, it's about all of that. All of that is nothing more than an effort to support this white dominant society. But listen to this lunatic. Go ahead. I love Kyle Rittenhouse. Earlier today, the teenager accused of murdering two men and wounding a third in Kenosha, Wisconsin, last year, took to the stand in his own defense. Isn't it interesting now, the prosecutors, they want to change the charges. They want to lower the charges. Why do they want to do that, Joy Reid? Because they're racist, too? Why was he charged in the first place, Joy Reid? Why? Doesn't matter. She's a nut. Go ahead. Built for an actual CRT course. The white, now 18-year-old, faces an almost entirely white jury of his peers, with the exception of one black man. And then there's Judge Bruce Schrader. All right, she's attacking the jurors. She doesn't know any of these jurors. But there's only one black. Okay, all the people involved were white. The people who were killed are white. It doesn't matter, it's not a jury, it was peers, you know. And of course, the judge, he's another schmuck. And the system, of course, If only Joy Reid could run the world, you know? Wouldn't that be a fantastic place? We'd all be locked up. Why? Because we're white. That's why. So Joy Reid says critical race theory is not being taught. But then Joy Reid says, you want to know why we promote critical race theory? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, in addition to her ideological radicalism and extremism, she's a moron. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I've been thinking during the, uh, during the break, I do a lot of thinking. Sometimes it's not necessarily a 
healthy thing if you can't turn your brain off from time to time, but that's just uh, the situation. But anyway, Liz Cheney. I wonder, Mr. Producer, I wonder, America, how many emails and texts, phone calls, did Liz Cheney initiate or even respond to where she supported efforts to overthrow Trump and the Trump administration? How many? Even to this day. Wouldn't you love to see what she has written and what she has said, America, about President Trump, apart from what she says openly, but about getting him and getting the people around him? So you and I and the rest of the American people can have a full picture of what this particularly pernicious reprobate has been up to? Wouldn't you love to see it? You know, they talk about Trump and his people and an insurrection. Just because they give a label to something doesn't mean anything. Just because they make allegations doesn't mean anything. So I'm calling on Liz Cheney to voluntarily... I don't have subpoena power. I don't have standing. Nobody does. To voluntarily release all of her emails, all of her texts, her phones. All communications in any form. Beginning in last November 2nd. All the way to this November 12th. Full year. So we, the public, can determine whether this is just another effort by another loathsome never-Trumper, dressed up as a defense of the Constitution, you know. I don't remember Liz Cheney this animated when cities were burning, when people were being brutalized, including police officers. I don't remember her being this animated when Joe Biden surrendered to terrorists. I don't, certainly not on a consistent basis. So I'm calling on Liz Cheney to release all of her notes and texts and emails over the course of the last year and two weeks or so so that we can make a determination about her, rather than her creating a narrative about herself, and rather than her creating a narrative about her enemies. It's about time some Chinese held to account, right? I am totally, totally disgusted by these people. Absolutely disgusted by these people. I've had enough. Did you know our uh, embassy... In Yemen, ladies and gentlemen, was overrun and the hostages were taken. Did you know this? And the rebels who took the embassy are backed by the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. Do you know this? Do you know the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran is selling half a billion barrels of oil to the communist Chinese every single day? Every single day. And did you know that the Biden administration and that clown Blinken, shouldn't they call Pelosi Blinken? Because she's either Blinken, 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 
or her eyeballs are staring at you, you know, like cue balls. But anyway, they don't even object to it. Meanwhile, do you know they took a vote in the U.N.? The vote was one country against all the other countries. And do you know who all the other countries voted against, Mr. Producer? Let's guess. Was it Bolivia? No. Was it uh, Germany? No. What else? Was it Egypt? No. Israel. Israel. Biden. The truth is Biden has never supported Israel. Never. He's a fraud and a phony. Biden has never supported Israel. This clown, as Secretary of State Blinken, John McCain was absolutely right about him. He's unqualified to be Secretary of State, so of course he's Secretary of State. Think about the people this idiot Biden has placed in these various positions. He wants an out-and-out Marxist to be the controller of the currency. He's got out-and-out racists and some Marxists in senior positions at the Department of Justice. Think about this. At the Federal Communications Commission, he wants to put a woman on there who has specifically said she wants to target Fox. She wants to target conservative platforms. And Biden wants her. As Biden mumbles her, you know, we're a democracy. We're not an autocracy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's Biden. Best I can do. That's Biden, the best I can do. But this is, this is the Biden foreign policy. And he's going to provoke a war because the, the regime in China doesn't fear him. The regime in Russia doesn't fear him. The regime in Iran doesn't fear him. None of our enemies fear him. What did I say well before the election? Our enemies are rooting for Joe Biden. Our enemies, both, by the way, foreign and domestic, Rooting for Joe Biden. And they got what they want. They got what they want. Us, we're stuck with a doddering buffoon who is the plaything of the radical left in the Democrat Party. China got exactly what they want. And do you hear the Democrats in the House and the Senate saying, wait a minute, China is arming up, they're spending a fortune on their defense. So is Russia. Iran is, is, uh, is moving towards truly having nuclear ICBMs. We better increase our defense budget. Have you heard one Democrat say that? Just one. Whoa, Bob Menendez. He hasn't said crap. Have you heard one Democrat? No. No. Because the Democrats in Washington, as I've said over and over, they don't believe in this country. They and their Marxist friends believe that the American military has been imperialistic and colonialistic. That it is a force for bad. Remember John Kerry in 1971? Before Fulbright's, William Fulbright's Foreign Relations Committee? How he trashed the American soldier in Vietnam, lied. Genghis Khan, remember that? From there he's elected lieutenant governor of Massachusetts. From there he's elected senator. From there, he's their presidential nominee. Well, what kind of a party that loves America would nominate Mr. Mashed Potato Face? Really? 
And right now, you know what he says? When he's asked about, you're talking to the Chinese, they're slaughtering the Uyghurs. You know what he said the other day? That's not my lane. That's not my lane, he says. Sounds like LeBron James. Sounds like the head of the NBA. Sounds like the head of night. That's not my lane. Look, slavery and genocide, that's not my lane. Climate change, that's my lane. And by the way, he's doing great in his lane, isn't he? The Chinese are using more coal than ever before. Ever before. The Chinese, the communist Chinese, are so lucky. They're just so lucky. Look, look at this administration. Biden, Kamala Harris. Are you kidding me? Secretary of State Blinken. Ooh. Secretary of Defense Austin. Head of the Joint Chiefs, Millie. They're looking at, oh, the surrender twins. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look at that. The FBI focused on parents and the insurrection of January 6th. Not the communist Chinese. No. Not the fascistic Russians. No, no. They're followed on us. Follow, uh, focused on us. Parents and taxpayers. They're focused on January 6th. We've never used more resources. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is there any UFC uh, match on this weekend, Mr. Producer? Isn't that funny? Years ago, I wrote a book about my dog called Rescuing Sprite. It's the second book I ever wrote. I think it came out 10 or 11 years ago. Something like that. Before Liberty and Tyranny. And so, as you know, I'm a dog lover, and I've talked about dogs from 20 years on the radio. I'm a supporter of these various no-kill rescue missions. Uh, We have a pet corner up on the website. Now everybody talks about dogs. Have you noticed that? I've been a big UFC follower. Really, well before it was considered cool or even famous. Way, way back. I used to watch it. (laughs) When it did, they didn't have weight sizes, they just had guys go in the ring with bare fists and beat the crap out of each other. MMA. And then it became professionalized in this country. And I, I'm hooked to it. I'm not an MMA guy, look at me. Well, I'm a little, I'm a little bigger and stronger than people think. They was, my God, you look bigger and stronger than I thought. That's right, back off. But anyway, is that this tomorrow? Holloway, Rodriguez, that should be a good fight, by the way. So I talk about it here. We've had Dana White on the program a couple of times in the distant past. We got on the case of New York City because it wouldn't let these guys fight at Madison Square Garden because the Speaker of the House, who I think is in prison right now, back then, Sheldon something or other, Shelley, I don't remember. Uh, he was trying to shake down particularly the UFC, uh, for some union or something. I don't remember. 
Now everybody talks about it. Have you noticed that, Rich? Everybody. That's a good thing. Oh, Sheldon Silver. Yeah. I think he is. And, uh, you know, there are times I have to turn my head, you know, when the guy's getting his nose crushed over and over again or somebody breaks an ankle or something like that. So why do I watch it? A couple of reasons. Number one, I like to watch people do things that I can't do or don't do, like with their hands, building my home. I've had two homes built during my lifetime, and the home in Virginia, every second day I would drive up there in the evening to see how these guys were doing it. It's fantastic, unbelievable. In the home in Florida, my father used to drive to the home because <clears throat> he lived about 60 miles away uh, when I wasn't here and when I was in Florida, excuse me, in Virginia, and take pictures and, sh- and send them to me. Because ju- it just amazes me. It's like watching mechanics. I can watch a mechanic for hours at a time. I really can. It's just, it's just, it fascinates me. And the other reason is this. This is where men can allow themselves to be men without apology. And in some cases, women can allow themselves to be men. I mean women. But you get my point. You get my point. Where it comes down to brute force and tactics experience, intelligence, and most of these people are conservatives. Not all, but most of them. Because it comes down to individuality. It's not a team sport. There's team practice, there's team exercise, there's team uh, training, there's team this. But when you're in the ring, it's one-on-one, baby. That's it. It's one-on-one. Now, you still have the guys hollering from the corner, giving you advice, but you're in the ring. Either you can produce and execute, or you lose, and you're hurt. So it's just one of those things that's still left, one of those little tiny safe harbors. But I'm sure they'll try and destroy it just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. So the numbers came out for the top books, top 15 books on the New York Times list that sold... You know, hardcover books. And we were number 12. But we're not on the list. Because the New York Times put three books and authors in front of us. We were number 12. But now we're nowhere. We sold more books in week, I don't even know what it is, 17 or 18? Than Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward is still on the list. That just goes to show you. They lie about the Holocaust, and they lie about their book list. They lie about things big and small. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. By the way, do not forget... Big, big show, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Big show. Jason Whitlock and Byron Donalds. Two great guys. Two really, really smart guys. And, of course, I'm going to pound away on the media like I've never done before in the first part of the program. So I hope you'll be with us. If you can't come live, you can at least DVR the program. Love to have you. Also, Christmas is what? Like 43 days away, right, Rich? Today is November 12th. Yeah, 43 days away. 43 days. Yellow. Yellow. 43 days. What are you going to do? I have the perfect gift. But you have to act quickly while it's still discounted. I'm not kidding. Get a copy of American Marxism for your parents, your grandparents, or your kids. And wrap it. Put it under the tree. You're going to see a huge smile on their face. And if they don't have it, I bet they want it. And the cost for most people is de minimis. It's $16 and change for the hardcover. It's a great gift. But it's a gift, as they say, that keeps on giving. Because once... The person you give it to, lucky enough to give it to, reads it and understands it. It's a gift to yourself, and it's a gift to society as well. We now have as many converts to liberty and republicanism and Americanism, to capitalism, to the rule of law and law and order, as we possibly can. Now, how about this idea? Bring a copy of your American Marxism... To Thanksgiving. Not to start a fight. I don't believe in that. But to start a discussion. Even if you say, oh, all my family members agree with me. I bet they don't know a lot of what's in American Marxism. Or purchase a copy for the host. Along with whatever else you bring to Thanksgiving with your family and friends. The holiday times are the perfect times for this book. It's the perfect time. What are we embracing? Faith, of course, and family, and our country, where we don't have to hide to practice our religion like in 90% of the rest of the world. We are so lucky to be in this country. We are so lucky to have been born here or so lucky to have come here. Our enemies don't get it. We can't persuade the enemy. But we can't persuade people who are sitting on the fence who are persuadable. But also it's inspiriting. It's inspiriting to go to Thanksgiving and say, here, look what I brought you. And you're going to see the smiles pop around all over the table. And if you have a few, you know, reprobates in the family they may not smile but maybe you can teach them a thing or two so I want to encourage you to go to Amazon.com if you're going out there to get a big turkey Costco or Walmart or wherever you wish don't forget uh, of course Barnes and Noble and Sam's and BJ's and good lord I can't remember all of them Target All the wonderful stores, books a million, they're out there. But it's a great gift. 
Now, let's say for Christmas or Hanukkah, they don't like to read. I got you covered. There's an audio. And there have been a lot of audios sold, 1.2 million books. Audios, e-books, and all formats have sold, 1.2 million. It's the biggest selling book of the year, nonfiction and fiction. The biggest book of 2021, nonfiction and fiction. And Woodward's book, I happen to know the number, did very poorly. Left way behind in the dust, ladies and gentlemen despite the best efforts of the New York Times to keep propping it up. It sold less than 9,000 books last week. Something to that effect. Now we have another phony journalist, propagandist, by the name of John Carl. He has a book called out, Betrayal. Can you imagine who it's about? It's like the 48th book by media trashing Donald Trump. They don't write books trashing Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama. No. They don't write books trashing Joseph, Robinette, Biden the third. No. No, 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 of course not. Endless trashing of Donald Trump. But again, if I don't mention it, nobody else will. So I want to encourage you to get your copies of American Marxism. They are terrific gifts if you have teenagers, college-age kids... If you're looking for something, get your mom and your dad or your grandpa and your grandma. This this is, I mean, you get them other things too, of course, but this book, it's a little over 16 bucks, and it is loaded with substance. Many people find it intriguing. As a matter of fact, do me a favor. Go to Amazon.com, even during the show, but go to Amazon.com. There are now 20,000 comments. There are now 20,000 comments and five stars. And five stars. That's you. So I hope you'll check it out. Nancy Pelosi gripes about the rich. Of course, she's in the top one-tenth of one percent, thanks to her connections for big dummy, her husband, Paul Pelosi, or WP or as we like to call them, PP. From the New York Post, guess this was one tax hike that hit too close to home for Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, is reportedly the sixth wealthiest member of Congress at over $100 million. Took issue late last month with plans by fellow Democrats to levy a tax on unrealized capital gains to help pay for Biden's massive $1.75 trillion social spending bill, according to a report. Now, by the way, I oppose this too. But she acts in self-interest, and she's done it before. Remember with the credit card companies and so forth? She's the one, in my view, who should be in prison. She and Hillary can wear the uh, same orange jumpsuits, you know, pass them among themselves. The California Democrat reportedly described the wealth tax as a publicity stunt. A senior Democrat aide told the Post that Pelosi's reservations, which were first reported by the Washington Compost, were due to the fact that the Senate Finance Committee Chair, Ron Wyden, who's a nut, by the way, had not finalized legislation for the billionaire tax by the time the White House was to submit an updated framework for the social spending plan. Pelosi was one of several House Democrats to take issue with the billionaire tax, so-called because it is meant to affect around 750 of the wealthiest Americans. It's more of a stunt, Representative Dan Kildee said. 
course, he's a mouthpiece for Pelosi. He wouldn't even be there but for the fact that his father was a congressman and he took his father's seat. House leader Stempy Hoyer said he was frankly and honestly disappointed with the proposal with an anonymous Democratic member told The Post, while I believe the very wealthiest and most fortunate Americans must contribute to investing in our future and paying for our past, taxing the unrealized gains of a small subset of people is a difficult policy to craft, let alone enforce. It's also unconstitutional. It's also unconstitutional. And uh, apparently there's a whole bunch of tax cuts for rich people in this bill. And yet many of you are going to get whacked. President Biden's New York Post, Build Back Better, would raise taxes on up to 30% of the middle class. Despite his campaign promise not to hike taxes on anyone making under 400000 a year. This is an analysis done by an independent organization. They said, taking into it, the Tax Policy Center, taking into account all major tax provisions, roughly 20 to 30% of middle class households would pay more taxes in 2022. It highlighted the tax increases would be small, but they would be there nonetheless. Now consider that on top of inflation, ladies and gentlemen. And now people are talking about runaway inflation like we've been talking about for a year. With this reckless spending. They're, drunk, they're spending like drunken Marxists. And they want to add a couple more trillion to the bonfire, which will blow the roof off of inflation. You're salary will be worth nothing your savings will be worth nothing your pension will be worth nothing your social security will be worth nothing you won't be able to afford medical care you won't be able to afford food and gasoline and the things you take for granted that we all take for granted that's the paradise that Biden and his comrades want for you you can taste it already can't you you see it right I'll be right back Lovin. Gentlemen, the medical and scientific establishment that's involved in this uh, coronavirus issue has done a hell of a job covering up natural immunity. I've been going to that website constantly. There's no information on how many people in this country have natural immunity, and now we know today they have not even kept that information. Then they put out a report. Of course, uh, the mouthpieces in the American media regurgitated it, being the experts that they are. Uh, saying that natural immunity is not nearly as, um, as useful or as strong as a vaccine, despite what the Israelis came up with. And my friend, Professor Ken Gore of Grove City, Paul, he looked at this, and he has completely debunked it in the current issue of the American Spectator. Professor, go right ahead. Explain. Yeah, hey Mark, good to be with you. Yeah, so so the CDC puts out the study. It was about it was like three Fridays ago, and it, and it claimed that not only is artificial immunity superior to natural immunity. And by the way, this goes against. I mean, I've got at least three dozen studies that that say the exact opposite, right? That all say that natural immunity is superior. So it says not only is artificial immunity superior, but it's five times superior, which is a stunning, stunning number. I mean, you, you might expect them to try to say maybe 1.2 times or something like that, but five times, right? Five times. 
And, and, and you know on its face how unbelievable this is when you consider the fact that as, as a current study from, uh, from a research team in Oakland, California shows, among many others, all three of the current major vaccines that are out there, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, all now are below 50% efficacy after six, six months after the shot, which is why, as everyone knows, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, and everybody are calling for boosters. Mm-hmm. They're, they're calling for boosters because the vaccine, the vaccines wane after about six months, which, which natural immunity doesn't do. So of all things, the, the CDC comes out, puts out this study, and I, I went through the data. I looked at it very carefully. I, I spent that weekend on it. The, the, the numbers don't even seem to say what they're claiming that they say. In fact, I thought it said just the opposite. I've been sending it to, to colleagues, MDs, PhDs. I, I've looked at other different reactions that are out there by other MDs, PhDs, and, and no one seems able to confirm this or to make sense out of it. And what's basically happened here is that the CDC, the federal government, they want 100% vaccination, period. They, they want it even for kids. And, and as you pointed out, I, I mean, there are probably – in fact, the CDC website said back in May, I think it was, that about 35 million Americans had tested positive for COVID. And the CDC even said back then that the actual number that, that's been positive is probably four times that, so about 140 million. And that was back in May. They haven't updated it since. And you've had the Delta variant has broken And you know, Professor, up. I had uh, Professor Risch on my program of Yale. Right. This is his life's work in this field, and he said he would suspect about 70% of the American people have had this virus, many of whom, you know, have had no, uh, no, no reaction to it. And because I asked him, I said, when you consider the number of people who have been vaccinated and the number of people who have had natural immunity, I mean, this nation is in very, very good shape, but they keep the emergency going, they keep the, uh, the mandates going, they keep the iron fist of the government going, so now they're reaching down to 5 to 11 years, years old, for which there's no scientific evidence of any kind that these kids should be vaccinated, let alone wearing masks. Well, that's right. And the, and the kids are probably at greater risk from the vaccine than they are likelihood of dying. From, and that's from, what from he said, COVID. too. Good point. Or at least yeah. the same risk. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. And when you consider, I mean, remember where we were at the start of this pandemic, that, that the goal was herd immunity. So as many people with natural immunity as you can get. And for those without natural immunity, without herd immunity, the goal was to get them vaccinated, which is why guys like me and you supported Operation Warp Speed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so so it, it, now here we are all of a sudden we have the vaccines and the federal government in this really strange push for 100% mass vaccination is completely ignoring because it's all an the excuse for everything. People. It's an excuse for everything. You hear Pasaki now and the others and and the Buttigieg, and you hear them saying things like, "If everybody would get vaccinated, we could turn this uh, supply chain thing around." I'm going, "What are you, an idiot?" And then you <laughs> right. have Pasaki saying something similar, and of course, but so they have used this virus to their political advantage in every way possible. Every death that occurred before Biden was president was Trump's fault. Now every death that occurs isn't Biden's fault. It's the fault of the unvaccinated. They, right. they just twist and lie, and I think the American people have had enough of it. Quite frankly, Professor, most of the places I go to that aren't government facilities or government-regulated, I mean federal government, 
you're free. You don't have to wear a mask. You can go into Home Depot. You can go get a sandwich. You can get, and everybody's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, and I've seen a much bigger difference in big cities as compared to smaller cities and mm-hmm. rural areas. I was in New York City about two weekends ago on a Saturday, and I tried to get into a restaurant, and the, and the waitress said, or, do you have a Vax ID? Have you been vaccinated? And I said, no, but better than that, I had COVID. I said, we all did. We have, <laughs> we have natural immunity. We could show you antibody tests. We could show you negative COVID tests. And get this, the irony, Mark, is that the girl who was with us who canceled, she actually had been vaccinated, and she came down with COVID. Uh, but but the, the waitress said, I'm sorry. And, and, by and the let's way, stop there tell. a moment. Let's stop there a yeah. Because of the development of therapeutics, people who get COVID who aren't, you know, incredibly obese or aren't elderly or don't have some other um, morbidity in something, survive this virus now because of the therapeutics that are involved we know that because of florida and their brilliant governor that's where he focused he said let's get the vaccines to every vaccination everyone we can i'm not going to mandate it for everybody let's get the therapeutics going because we do need some level of herd immunity he's a better scientist he's a better medical doctor than fauci and all these others he really is and, and I, I've never seen a situation, and, and, and so I actually, I actually worked in, in immunology and for a hospital for four years. I, I won't go through all of that, and even, and even studied biomedical history. And I've never seen a case where the entirety of the federal government's response, nothing, there are no public awareness campaigns about what to do if you get sick, right? Mm-hmm. It's all focused on vaccination, vaccination, That's vaccination. That's a great point. That is a great point. Well, Professor, your piece is outstanding. I hope somehow it'll be made public so people can get to it. If you do, send it to Mr. Producer, and we'll link to it. Professor Paul Kengor, thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, Liberties, General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Let's go to a liberal. We haven't had a liberal in years. I'm just kidding. New York City, the great WABC, Dom, go. Yellow. Uh, good evening. Um, good evening. Just uh, an irregular American here. All I, right. I Self-identified. To- Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I just wanted to um, ask your, you know, your brilliant legal mind. Um, why, why do you think Sloppy Steve was right to ignore a validly issued congressional subpoena? How do you know it's valid? Well, why didn't uh, Sloppy Steve move to Quash? I don't know. Why does a whole caller not listen? I said, how do you know it's valid? How do you know he didn't move to Quash it? Well, we Tell know- me, how many, how many ex-staffers to former presidents have been subpoenaed in your lifetime? Um, uh, in, in my lifetime, I don't know. But in, certainly uh, with this president, we know that there's been a multitude of staffers that have been subpoenaed. So I, a- asked you, I asked you a question, and of course you can't answer it, so you're shucking and driving. I, I'll try again. How come... This president, his former staffers, Trump, are subpoenaed. Do you know past presidents whose staffers have been subpoenaed? Well, I don't know any... Why are are Donald Trump's taxes an issue? 
Are we talking about taxes or are we talking about a... Subpoena? I'm talking about everything. Is this too okay, complicated, well, pal? I'm talking about... I'm talking about Just why... because Congress does something doesn't make it constitutional or legitimate. That's why we have courts. We have a circuit court that's now taking up the issue of whether President Trump can withhold certain of his documents under executive privilege that I argue, whatever the court says, does extend to, the, to a president after he leaves office for the same reason. Because you're trying to get documents out of the executive branch. And the fact that the president is a Democrat, the Congress is Democrat, and the judge is an Obama appointee is problematic. Do you think... Uh, do you think Eric Holder should have been held in contempt? Or, excuse me, do you think Eric Holder should have been uh, indicted? Did, did you, did, please don't change the subject. When I'm you know not changing wrong. anything. Do you think Eric Holder should have been indicted? We're not talking about Eric Holder. It's a tough one, isn't it? Tough one. That is overseeing the ban and indictment. Say that again? I didn't hear you. you Say it again. That, I'm, I'm speaking right now. A Trump-appointed judge has been assigned no, that's not to correct. the indictment. That's not correct. The issue over documents and indictments so far, so far has been an Obama. But let's say it is a Reagan judge or a Trump judge. What does that have to do with it? I'm explaining, I am explaining to you that these are one-offs. So what's done to Donald Trump and his staff are one-offs. And just because Congress exercises power does not mean the power is legitimate. It's going to be litigated. I understand. I right, get off the phone, you idiot. What else can I say, Rich? The guy's got nothing. I, I'm sorry, folks. I want to go down the, 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 have a debate with a guy and so forth. I don't know what else to tell him. But Congress issued a legitimate subpoena. I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. Time will tell. But even if Congress issues a legitimate subpoena, and you're the target of a subpoena, and you think what's being done is outlandish and outrageous, you don't comply and you suffer the consequences. Now keep in mind, this is a liberal Democrat, talks about sloppy Steve. Never talks about sloppy Nancy, who has to pack on that makeup like there's no tomorrow. Or sloppy Schumer, with the cornrows in his forehead. Or sloppy Biden, who apparently is uh, breaking wind uh, at the uh, Royal uh, Palace. No, no, none of them are sloppy. How about sloppy Carl Bernstein? You see that guy, Mr. Producer? Oh, my God. He's got last year's turkey gravy on his shirt. What a pig. May I say that with all due respect? So, no. The reason Bannon didn't complies because the ex-president has told these guys not to comply because he's trying to protect executive privilege until this is resolved. That's why this indictment is so sleazy. It's so sleazy. Why not let the process work? Let's see what happens even in the courts. But the Attorney General doesn't want to do that. The U.S. Attorney doesn't want to do that. All the Democrats don't want to do that. Let's continue. All right, let's see here. Let us go to um, Matthew, San Luis Obispo, California, XM Satellite. How may I help you? Uh, well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I, it's been a little while, but I wanted to go back to the issue about um, the Breitbart guy's phone. Um, no, no, no. That would be the, uh, not I'm the sorry, Breitbart guy's sorry, phone. Uh, that would uh, be James O'Keefe's phone. Uh, yes, thank you for that. I, that had slipped my mind. 
Um, so anyway, in the Army in 2015, uh, I went through what we call cellular, cellular exploitation training, where we're, we're taught how to get a bad guy's phone and rip it. So the issue comes down to you've got a kit and you've got adapter cords for like just about every make of phone there is on the earth, which is a lot more than you would think. And then if you get past passwords and encryption, once you're into a folder, you're in. The, the time-consuming part is getting past passwords and encryption. Yeah, but the once FBI you... the FBI is not buying stuff at Radio Shack, assuming that still exists. The FBI has very sophisticated equipment. They have experts on the payroll. They do this a lot in criminal cases. So they know how to tap into a phone and pull the information out very, very quickly. And uh, But the problem here is what they've done here is, is just outrageous. It's just outrageous. Yellow, yellow, right. yellow. I, yes, I'm, I'm here, sir. Uh, I was going to get to that. We had, you know, the Army does not have anywhere near as nice equipment as the FBI, so I was going to address that. I'm sure they have the brand-new stuff that's way better than what we were trading on six years ago. So I, I would assume that O'Keefe had, a, you know, an iPhone or a, or a you know, a top-line right. Android phone, and hope, hopefully he had um, some encryption of folders in there. They may have Now, gotten- listen, we already know they tapped in, though. They've been leaking the contents of it to the New York Times. Yeah, well, then they've got everything. If they got past his encryption and his mm-hmm. passwords, they got it all. And whoever did that should go to prison well, for violating the First it. Amendment. They should go to prison. And I'm sure the caller before you would agree with me. Well, yeah, I heard that guy. And I just wanted to let you know before I realize you have other callers, but uh, I'm working my way through American Marxism. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, and I am looking to uh, purchase another... Uh, copy to give as a gift, so I will be doing that. Aren't you kind? Thank you. And by the way, thank you for your service too, my friend. You take care of yourself. God bless you. Let's go to our friend Jimmy of Longstanding, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Jimmy, go right ahead, sir. Mark, to your first caller, he didn't object to Obama, Biden, Hillary sending uh, high-powered weapons to the Mexican drug cartels, selling part of our uranium to uh, Russia, and also Hillary with a Russia reset, building a Silicon Valley in Russia. So that's the enemy now. Oh, you don't understand. You're off topic, Jimmy. No, but they're going off. The, but those are the people going after their opposition. Yeah, of course. That that's exactly right. This the entire purpose of this exercise is to try and destroy their opponents, to try and destroy right. Trump and his inner circle. That's the entire purpose of this exercise. And to try to destroy anybody who opposes their movement. This is what they did in Czechoslovakia in 1948. They weaponized every government department. And little by little, they neutralized all the opposition until they had a full Marxist. And this is what they're carrying out here to the letter. Very good. Very interesting. That's their long-range plan, you say, right? Not so long-range anymore. Yeah, well, it's happening now. The communists wrote a book on it, you know, and it came into Western hands. It was translated. You can see it for free on the Internet, I believe. It's called, and not a shot is fired. That's the communist how-to, how they did it in Czechoslovakia. And not a shot is fired by Jan Kozak. It's amazing how people think you and I make this stuff up when, in fact, it's history. 
that when you could show it in the yeah. enemy publications, offshoots, because it's a yeah, but it's like CRT. We could show them. We could show them where it's being taught. They say, "Oh, that's just a dog whistle." Jimmy, yeah, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you very, very much. Quickly, quickly, Matthew, Tucson, Arizona. I love Tucson, Arizona. The great KNST. Go. Hey, Mr. Levin, honored to speak with you. Uh, I'm a fellow uh, Republican Jew and also a father of a pup named Barney. Uh, oh, wow. I just wanted to bring up the, uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to bring up the Paul Gosar censure, the uh, Arizona congressman who mm-hmm. tweeted earlier this week a, uh, an anime video uh, that supposedly depicted violence being done against AOC. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Liz Cheney apparently today declared that she will also uh, go along with the censure, despite of the course. fact that Ilhan and Talib can none of their uh, anti-Semitic tweets are are being censured, or even the things they've said on the floor. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. But I expect this from Liz Cheney now. She's the Benedict Arnold or Bernadine Arnold, if you will, of the House and the Republicans. That's why they threw our ass out as the number three Republican. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We have a great show for you this Sunday. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Please do not miss it. Everybody who comes up to me says, I love Levin TV. I love your Sunday show. I love your radio show. But they always say, I never miss Levin. T- uh, excuse me, Life, Liberty, and Levin and Levin TV. But watch us, Life, Liberty, and Levin. It's going to be a very powerful show. Jason Whitlock and Byron Donalds. And we're going to get into this issue of race. We're going to get into the media. We're going to get into a lot, a lot. And by the way, the gloves are off. The brass knuckles are on. So please join us. Please grab your copies of American Marxism, 43 days until Christmas. Less than that. What, about 10 days until Thanksgiving? Get your copies. Get them while they're discounted. Think about the people at Thanksgiving. And think about, obviously, gifts for Christmas and Hanukkah and so forth. It's really a good buy. I'm just telling you, it's a little over 16 bucks, and you can look at the 20,000 comments on Amazon. I don't mean read them all. You'll be there for 17 years. I mean, people speak. And if people didn't like the book, they wouldn't have purchased it. It wouldn't be the number one book in all of 2021. And by the way, America, Mr. Producer, I'm sure I'm going to get all these book awards. You know, they have all these groups, hand out awards, and, you know, then you put the sticker on your book. Don't you think I'll get one of those? I've got to assume I'll get one of them. Uh, I assume not. Every Friday evening, ladies and gentlemen, your honor, we play America. Here we go.
Well, folks, the week is finally over. The weekend has begun. I'll see you Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's all meet there, folks, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And please grab your copies of American Marxism. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Friday. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi and Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi. Good night, Indy. Oh, the list. And good night, Barney. Have a wonderful weekend, folks. Take care of yourselves. We shall overcome. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. And good night, Joe. God bless each and every one of you. Be well.